Chapter 35, Part 1 of Autobiography, Memories and Experiences, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Autobiography, Memories and Experiences, Volume 2 by Moncure Conway chapter thirty five part one artemis the delicious as charles reed called him came to london in june eighteen sixty six and gave his piece in egyptian hall the refined delicate intellectual countenance the sweet grave mouth from which one might have expected philosophical lectures retained their seriousness while listeners were convulsed with laughter there was something magical about it every sentence was a surprise he played on his audience as Liszt did on a piano, most easily when most effectively. Who can ever forget his attempt to stop his Italian pianist, account in his own country, but not much account in this, who went on playing loudly while he was trying to tell us an affecting incident that occurred near a small clump of trees shown on his panorama of the far west. The music stormed on. We could see only lips and arms pathetically moving till the piano suddenly ceased, and we heard, it was all we heard, and she fainted in Reginald's arms. His tricks had been attempted in many theatres, but Artemis Ward was inimitable, and all the time the man was dying. Never was American in London so beloved. The Savage Club, founded in 1857, consisted of some half-dozen writers of the plays who dined together every week in an old convent garden inn, tom robertson their chief poked fun at them in one of his plays until one evening someone brought artemis there then everybody wanted to belong and the club entered on its larger career he was the life and soul of it yet all those brilliant articles in punch all those unforgettable dinners lasted but six months and the entertainments in egyptian hall only seven weeks when it was learned that the most delightful of men was wasting away under rapid consumption even while he was charming us the grief was inexpressible i was requested by a committee of americans to conduct the funeral of charles f brown artemis ward and never had a more difficult and sorrowful task for his unexpected death was a tragedy that almost unnerved me the chapel in kensal green cemetery was filled to its utmost capacity all the chief actors and actresses writers of plays literary men and women were present and sorrow was in every face from that time i enjoyed the friendship of many connected with the stage and became a member of the savage club possibly i am the only survivor of those who belonged to the club at that time when it was a simple affair we used to dine at ashley's which gave us a fair dinner for half a crown we dined early in order to attend some theatre all open to savages among them were able men who were writing adapting translating the plays that amused the masses of london george grossmith senior andrew halliday charles millward and henry s lay were always present henry irving occasionally but the soul of the club was tom robertson how we all loved that handsome witty comrade and what a joy was the first night of any play of his i happened to be at the head of the table when the following note was handed to me to the chairman of the savage club dearest of friends whoever you may be 
please inform the savage club that they shall be welcome at the production of my new play school at the prince of wales theater this evening full dress not required a simple muslin and a rose in the hair will be sufficient ever yours t w r of course we all went and i think it was on that evening that his sister madge robertson mrs kendall hardly out of her girlhood first appeared on the stage the theater was crowded the success immense we all gathered around robertson with felicitations because of the play and because his sister had given fine promise this was in eighteen sixty nine yet it was with that same play that the sorrows of robertson began for he was accused of having plagiarized from the ashenbrodel of benedicts we who knew robertson personally and his scrupulous honor were also familiar with his previous plays society hours cast play etc and recognized him in every line of school but robertson wrote to us of the club to meet him there and we came in a troubled mood he told us that while on an excursion with his wife in germany they went to a theatre in berlin and saw a play in which the fairy tale of cinderella was travestied in a modern plot he never saw the libretto and did not take anything at all from benedicts except the suggestion of utilizing the plot of cinderella in a play of modern life he said he had now obtained from germany a copy of ashenbrodel and had placed it with the libretto of school in the hands of john hollingshead from whom he would obtain a judicial decision we all approved his course and had confidence in hollingshead but tom's particular friend andrew halliday a playwright of much experience said tom we all know that those pretty and thoroughly english situations are yours and every bit of those witty dialogues the only question that can possibly arise would be whether the previous use of cinderella as a modern heroine should have been mentioned in your program cinderella was such a familiar figure of the christmas pantomimes that robertson supposed that there being no question of originality in the case so far as plot was concerned he could hardly have credited benedicts without unfairness to his own play nevertheless it was an error of judgment not to mention benedicts and hollingshead so decided while vindicating the originality of robertson's treatment of the tale while everybody else regarded the incident as closed and never thought of any serious blame attaching to robertson it was not the same with himself when he dined with us at the club there was less of his old mirth it was pitiful that while school was having a magnificent run and madge robertson having her first success the admirable author who had evoked the beautiful scenes should be himself inwardly a sort of cinderella in ashes however the benedicts affair was forgotten by the public southern made a great thing of robertson's david garrick and he went on writing fine plays m p home dreams shadow tree shift the nightingale but war on which he had put much patient and excellent work proved a sort of failure it was his first failure and told upon him also his wife an accomplished lady of german birth died for some time we had observed that he was in poor health but his death february eighteen seventy one in his forty-second year was a shock it was a heavy bereavement in theatrical circles he was a noble-hearted man and few english dramatists achieved so much excellent work in such a short time one of my earliest friendships in london was formed with william allingham a poet of too fine a strain for popularity 
my first knowledge of him was through emerson who read his wonderful poem the touchstone in the town hall at concord to the citizens who had assembled at the hour when john brown was executed in virginia the poem was supposed to be by emerson and went the rounds of the press with his name allingham was on the staff of fraser's magazine to which i too was a contributor allingham was in every way a charming man and we became attached to him he was as thoroughly versed in emerson and hawthorne and thoreau and dr holmes as if he had grown up in boston he was a rationalist without aggressiveness able to recognize every poetic legend in catholicism he was on terms of intimate friendship with the carlyles tennysons brownings rossettis and the pre-raphaelists all drawn to him by his exquisite poems he was a bachelor for some years after our arrival and we often had him at our house and when he was appointed to the customs office at lymington we greatly missed his friendly face i visited him there and once had with him a two days ramble on the coast his new residence was not far from tennyson farringford with whom he used to take long walks when froude gave up fraser eighteen seventy four allingham became the editor and we enjoyed his society as of old he married in that year helen patterson a well-known and admirable artist it was an ideal marriage in carlyle's last years mrs allingham desired to paint his portrait and mrs alexander carlyle who resided with her uncle undertook to secure her the opportunity the artist went at the appointed time carlyle presently entered and greeted her kindly but when a sketch of him was suggested he turned to leave mrs allingham would have fled but carlyle stood between her and the door so she stood trembling until the niece gave her an encouraging look the niece then persuaded him to come back and sit down and read his book which he did with a quiet growl or two he then appeared to forget the presence of the two ladies at the end of the hour he took a look at her watercolor sketch and when he saw his face so deftly drawn he became interested and invited her to come again she did so again and again perhaps a dozen times and he enjoyed these visits while she took the sketches he read or talked or dozed and this lady with her fine tact met all of his moods adding a pleasing episode in his declining life and painted many excellent portraits of him one of these i secured and it was the picture that brought me nearest to the last vision of my great friend on november second eighteen sixty seven a dinner was given in freemason hall to charles dickens about to visit america most of the men who were carrying on the literary dramatic and artistic work of london were present the ladies alas including miss dickens who strikingly resembled her father and her aunt miss hogarth were put off into a gallery after the fashion then lingering when dickens entered arm in arm with bulwer there was wild enthusiasm behind them walked lord chief justice cockburn small and pale and lord mayor with royal air lord houghton and sir charles russell next the royal academicians when lord leighton the chairman arose it was really the novelist bulwer we beheld figurehead of a past generation there was power in every line of his face but still something phantasmal he was curiously awkward in speech at the beginning a long drawl terminated by a jerk at which his head was bent forward till the back of it was seen 
his gesture in emphasizing anything was to stretch his hand straight out clasp the fingers tightly to the palm then draw it in under his arm lord leighton had not been selected by any snobbish sentiment it would have been difficult thackeray being dead to find any man more historically fit for the chairmanship than bulwer it stands pleasantly in my memory that i saw the old author at his best for as his speech proceeded his shining thought was unsheathed from the ungainly form and the queer gestures appeared expressive of individuality a score of times bulwer's speech was interrupted by cheers but when dickens arose he had to stand long while the shouts stormed upon him men leaped on chairs tossed up napkins waved glasses and decanters over their heads and there was a pressing up from the lower tables until dickens was girt about by a solid wall of friends as he stood there silent i watched his face it was flushed with excitement and those wonderful eyes flamed around like a searchlight had tennyson been there a poem might have been written more pathetic than the address of ulysses to his brave companions who had toiled and wrought with him when his purpose held to sail beyond the sunset dickens saw before him authors actors artists with whom in early days he had partaken humblest fare horace mayhew mark lemon walter thornbury westland marston tom taylor buckstone edmund yates g h lewes the sons of gerald and tom hood his own sons stood near as if witnesses to the career whose victories they had followed from the lowly beginning to this culmination when the storm of enthusiasm had quieted dickens tried to speak but could not the tears streamed down his face as he stood there looking on us in silence color and pallor alternating on his face sympathetic emotion passed through the hall when he presently began to say something though still faltering we gave our cheers but felt that the real eloquence of the evening had reached its climax in the silent tears of dickens there was much talk in the anteroom and it was late before the company left but outside a very large crowd of humble people were waiting to catch a glimpse of the great author and i remarked one aged woman who pressed forward and bowed her face upon his hand End of chapter 35, part 1